Yeah, you know what you can get me, Pee Wee? What? El hombre. First of all, as a service to the listeners, this is an absolute forget about it. El hombre. He's a pariah. I mean, it's like going after raindrops on roses and whiskers on kittens. El hombre. Dave, I feel like when you do those updates with this man on hold, there's a little more focus on your part. There's a little more attention to detail. I thought he would be entertained while waiting. (laughs) He brings out the best in all of us. He is with us on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline. You know him, you love him. He is El Hombre. Michael Bradley, how are you, man? You're interrupting me. I'm writing my novel. Okay, sorry. Seriously. I'm about 135 pages into it. Novel on what? It's about a bar. All right. Is it, is, they always say, write what you know. <laughs> is this well, fiction or nonfiction? It's a novel. It's fiction. Okay. Okay. Uh, well, you got a whole cast of characters. It's a family drama. Lots of crazy stuff going on. Uh, I like it. I don't know if anybody will print it or buy it, but you know, it's always been a goal of mine to write it, so I'm, I'm writing it. Well, maybe you should go sit in a dark room for two or three days and see Seriously, if, why days. does everybody give this numbskull oxygen? <laughs> right? Here, here's what you should be doing next, okay? Seriously, do this for me. Go to whatever the stupid Bravo. Remember when Bravo started like 25 years ago? They'd show opera and theater and ballet. Now they show the real housewives of Bayonne. So I want you to watch that show and then report on the drama that goes on there. This one slapped that one. This one told her that her husband is a pain in the neck. Report on that because it's the same stuff. This guy's a lunatic, and he's not as good a quarterback as he used to be. So let's, let's let him go sit in a dark place. Let him go to the hot springs, put crystals all over himself, take peyote. I don't care. Just shut up. Well, it's interesting. We just were talking to Mark Schlereth today, um, who is a Fox broadcaster and a former teammate of mine. But he was talking about Tom Brady and how Tom Brady is like a regular dude. You know, he he's one of those guys that he eats, fits in. He eats avocado ice cream, but go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's not uncommon, but uh, oh. it is. It's uncommon yeah. to me. Uh, you know but, a lot of regular dudes who do that? No, but, you know, I think it's a weird health thing probably. But I that's what I've heard in, as far yeah. as he goes. But... But then when you talk about Aaron Rodgers, I'm just wondering how he fits in the uh, the, the locker room. I mean, it's got to be – he just doesn't sound like a dude. No, he's not. I mean, look, he wears the top knot, right? Can you imagine that? Can you imagine what certain sectors of the locker room are saying about that? When you're winning, you can tolerate knuckleheads like that, right? But when you're not winning, all of a sudden it gets a little much. So they and, and I get the impression, and you, you can tell me this way more than I would ever imagine, but players are, are always trying to look out for other players because, you know, someday that could be you in the, in the, the crosshair. So, and, and, you know, when a player makes a lot of money, the player's like, good, maybe I'll make, you know, I get the next check. So I, I think that they're, they're rooting for him. I think that he keeps, he, he probably tries to be a regular guy, but I don't think he's going out and, hanging with the dudes and all that stuff and chopping it up in a way that is is regular guy kind. Why don't you guys go down to the, the docks when the salmon come in and see what those guys are eating avocado ice cream? I, I don't think so. <laughs> well, I'm not going to impugn him because of avocado ice cream. but I'm just saying that, that that's just an example of it. He yeah. can't be a regular guy. He has hundreds of millions of dollars. Yeah. He's married to a supermodel. Oh, no, he's not. I forgot. So what is he going to do? He's going to date the screamer of the month club now. It's going to be unbelievable. So he's not a regular guy. They can't be real rich guys can't be regular guys dave actually kind of echoes that he's he says you get past a million bucks you become weird 
<laughs> oh, I, I, and once you get past a billion bucks, you're just a jerk. There's because all you care about is money. I mean, as my son said to me one time, he doesn't think there's a good person who's a billionaire. Not at all. You can be giving it all away, but you're still keeping hundreds and hundreds of millions or several billion dollars, right? And, and while the rest of us are standing in line looking for our bags after a flight that's been delayed seven hours, and here, oh, here comes my bag opened and everything fa- is falling out, these guys are having you know, the, the, the Coleman meet them at the yes. plane in the Rolls Royce and drive them back to put on their Harvard tie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can't believe it. you must have been listening to the show because I was just telling Bob I watched um, I, I watched Trading Places last night and Bob was like, "Oh, uh, Al Umber is a huge fan of that. Oh. He quotes it all the time." There we go. Show, was it on Showtime? Uh, it was on HBO Demand. Okay, well, I, I've been on one of those recently, and I've been very fortunate, and you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. I've had the good fortune of the three times that I've seen it over the last. It went, I think it was on in January on one of the, the channels. I turned it on just about at the absolute best time. <laughs> Everybody <laughs> knows when that is. Okay, okay. I'm just saying. I, I'm just saying that the absolute. I mean, that's Oscar winning right there. I mean, she should have gotten that supporting <laughs> oh, actress simply oh. for that scene with the mirror. We were we were we were just talking. About about that particular scene that the pause button is in full use and then somebody sent in a text doesn't the vhs get fuzzy when you press pause? <laughs> there's only one i can tell you there's only one scene that i can remember off the top of my head that rivals that and it's in the movie Dean dangerous liaisons when uma thurman does the same thing i, I was I in the that. theater oh good lord i was in the theater <laughs> and there is there was an audible gasp Really? And oh my, yes. I mean, go back and look. I mean, he's, you know, Malkovich is there and then whoosh. Ah. Yeah. All right. Okay. All right. On that, I'll have to research that. Um, so, hey, speaking of uh, quarterbacks, we were just talking about, yes. you know, Jeffrey Lurie came out and said Jalen Hurts doesn't have anything left to prove. He's, he's you know, MVP caliber. You guys are a win away from a, a, a Super Bowl title here. So the question becomes, what kind of money is he going to get paid? They're supposed to start talking soon. And Spotrack, I don't know if you ever go to that site, but it's yeah. it's 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 a nice, useful tool out there. They're, they they sort of project what it is he's going to make, and they've got him around forty four million. Now this is a well, guy yeah, you, he you, has to be. So this it's interesting because you, you initially were not very high on Jalen Hurts. No, I, I and I was I was <laughs> I was not right, um, and. He, you know, look. This is this could be the perfect confluence of talent and offense, right? Mm-hmm. Joe Montana was, I would say, the perfect confluence of talent and offense. I don't think he thrives in the Oakland Raiders bombs away offense, right? The West Coast offense was perfect for him. One, two, three, move around a little bit. Oh, and there's Jerry Rice. So. I think that, you know, as long as Sirianni and Sean Staken are there running what they're running, they're maximizing everything Hurts can do, and it's a lot. I mean, he is a, an astoundingly dangerous runner. He often is, I mean, he completed 67% of his passes, so he's very accurate. Um, you know, I think the highest I've ever seen was like 70 or 71. Breeze was doing that, so I mean, we're three or four percentage points off, and this is a third-year player. So... And, he's, and if he doesn't get hurt against Chicago, he could well lead the Eagles to a you know four, uh, fifteen and two or sixteen and one year. And if that's not MVP caliber, I don't know what is. 
Well, tell us also, I I like him, uh, just every, the things that I hear from him, and it's usually just a couple of things that make you like somebody. One of them is him singing the Fly Eagles Fly in yeah. a really horrible tone. Oof. But as far as, you know, uh, a couple of quotes after games and things like that, but seems like a, also a great leader. So he, he played at Alabama and Oklahoma, yep. and, you know, he's the captain and all that. Seems like a, a good leader. What do you, What do you see from him? Well, first of all, don't don't impugn anybody who sings "Fly Eagles Fly" off tune because the entire city sings it off tune. Okay, okay. It's, it's nobody here. It's not like Pavarotti's "Fly Eagles." No, it's nothing like that. It's not the three tenors. Okay? Is that what that was? So, no, I liked him. I liked him for that. I thought that, that I do, made I do him, too because yeah. I sing it like that. I stepped on a Lego. Sorry, I was. But um, here, here's the other thing. There, there's a video out there of RG3 interviewing Michael Vick, Donovan McNabb, and Jalen Hurts. And they're talking about being a black quarterback in Philadelphia first, but also about being a quarterback. And it's very interesting to hear Vic and McNabb talk about Hurts because they say, okay, you can run, you can pass, you can move, but you can think the game. You're making good decisions. And that's what I think is underrated about Hurts' game right now. He makes very good decisions. And and the going rate now, I mean, you know, he's not going to get Mahomes money, right? He's not getting fifty million a year. But I mean, what did Josh Allen get? I don't know. I mean, I, I, and what did Burrow? I mean, I don't. Is Burrow coming up on a Burrow's coming, coming up? up and yeah. they're talking about sixty with him. You know, I mean, yeah. it's, he's going to he's I mean, going to set the market. Sure, yeah. he is. But but you know, hurt forty four for Hertz. Yeah, because if you don't, he's gone. And what did they pay Wentz? And it went completely collapsed. So, especially if I'm Jalen Hurts' agent and the Eagles win the Super Bowl, this is a uh, this is um, uh, what's his name thing and show me the money and and, and uh, what the hell was the name of that movie with Tom Cruise and uh, oh uh, Jerry Maguire. Yeah, and Jerry Maguire, where the agent looks at the general manager after the game and you know puts the thing and goes, you know, I'm going to get some money. Jerry Maguire says to, to Glenn, Glenn Fry, and he goes, I know, I know. That's what it's going to be. It's going to be, hey, hey, uh, Howie, uh, get out the big checkbook. Wow, I forgot that was Glenn Fry. Yeah. yeah. The late, great Glenn Fry. Forgot all yeah. about Absolutely. that. Absolutely. So, anyway, he's, he's going to deserve it. Because it, it's because we, how many times do we say this? There are 96 quarterback positions in the NFL. So out of 8 billion people, there are 96 people who get quarterback jobs. Out of that 96, maybe 15. Maybe, and I may be being wildly generous, can help you win a Super Bowl. So one-seventh almost of those quarterbacks are worth it. And if Hurts wins one, then he's one of those guys. Yeah, I just looked up uh, Josh Allen signed a six-year, $258,034,000 contract with the Bills. That's $43 million a year. And and Josh Allen, if, if Jalen Hurts wins... On Sunday with the Eagles, he'll have one more Super Bowl championship than Josh Allen will. Hang on, yeah. did you so, just do that math in your head, or did you look it up? No, I looked it in my math in the head. That's the one thing I can do mathematically. Little stuff like that. Really, that's pretty amazing because I just looked it up as forty three oh five six six seven per year. All right, I'm sorry about the oh five six six seven guys. Jeez, I mean, you know, show off. my nose in it. Why you don't are you? Sharp man. No, that, those are the only kind. I mean, like, I can multiply like. <laughs> 72 times 15 because I'll do like 72 times 10 and then 72 times 5 uh, and then add them together. Yeah. So I, that's, how it, that's how my mind works. Well, yeah. you still get there. That's all that matters. Anything uh, more than that and that's forget it. So what, what problems? No. What, what's, your, <laughs> what's your feeling about the game? Obviously, I know who you're rooting for, but what are you, what are you concerned with? Do you feel like this is going to be a nail biter? Do you feel like it's going to be a one-sided Eagles blowout? What's your, your, remove your heart. Just explain what's going on in the head. It's not going to be a blowout. 
there, there are several things going on here, and I have to set the scene Philadelphia-wise. You cannot find somebody in the city of Philadelphia who thinks the Eagles are going to lose. It's amazing. Here we are, Philadelphia, which for years has been waiting for the piano to fall on our head or the anvil to drop on us. And now everybody's like sunshine and lollipops and rainbows all around. The Eagles are winning. It's no problem. Andy Reid, eh, he'll blow a third-quarter timeout like he always does. Patrick Mahomes, he may be the best player in football, but he's not as good as our defense. It's very interesting to see the attitude that's here. And, frankly, that scares the heck out of me because whenever Philadelphia gets overconfident, that's when we get hit in the face with a pie. So, you know, that's the, that's the fatalistic, irrational, emotional part that I have. Number one offense versus number one defense, I'll take number one defense. Remember Seattle-Denver? Denver was unbelievable. Yep. Peyton Manning, Seattle strangled them. Yeah. I'm not saying the Eagles are going to strangle Kansas City, but I think that's going to make a big difference. I think the, the, key is the, two, the, the keys are the two lines. Eagles have the best offensive line in pro football, and when it comes to rushing the passer, nobody did it in their front four better than their front four. Those are two really big things. You've got A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith on the outside. Dallas Goddard is a very good tight end, and Miles Sanders rushed for 1,300 yards this year, and they've got some weapons behind him that can help. If, if everybody stays healthy throughout this game, that offense is going to score, and then if you've got a great defense, it should be an Eagles victory. That said, if Patrick Mahomes has the ball with a minute left and a chance to win or tie and send it in overtime, that's when my teeth start chattering and my knees start knocking. Yeah. Hey, uh, tell us about the offensive line. We saw they did a Christmas record. I think we talked about that. But yes. I think, is, is it Jordan Melata that's the, yes. the singer? Like, yeah, all of a sudden he starts singing. And they look at him and they go, what? Yeah, exactly. But, I mean, I'm looking at this guy. First of all, he's awesome guy because he was born on March 31st, and there's really good people born on March 31st. But, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Um, yeah, I'm sure. Uh, but, golly, he's 6'8", 366 pounds. I found out, yep. just found out that he's uh, he's got an Australian accent. Because he's from Australia. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so, yeah, it's pretty, uh, it's pretty cool, that group right there. Kelsey, love him. I mean, those those guys collectively, especially doing the Christmas album, they've got to be much beloved there in in Philly. Oh, oh that, that offense! I mean, first of all, Jason Kelsey and I, I think I said it on this program, could run for mayor, and I'm not kidding, would win. Hmm. He, he would have to change residence. He lives in the suburbs, but he, he if he moved into the city and ran for mayor, he'd win by a landslide. He is, if you look at the Mount Rushmore of beloved Philadelphia athletes, Bobby Clark, Dr. J, Bernie Perrant. Jason Kelsey, really? Brian Dawkins. Oh God! When he showed up in that crazy costume at the at the, at the parade, <laughs> the and gave that speech, gave that speech. It, it was he was in. Everybody liked him to that point because he was good. He endeared himself to everybody. He craw, He cuts across every socioeconomic, ethnic, racial, whatever divide because he's a guy's guy. Okay. He doesn't eat avocado ice cream or date <laughs> supermodels. I'm sure his wife is very wonderful, but. He's he's a guy's guy. Mulata, big dude. How do you try getting around him? And how about Lane Johnson? Lane Johnson's playing with a torn adductor tendon. That provides all of your power in your core. And they asked him after the game against the Giants when he took three had taken three weeks off. He should have surgery, but the surgery would end the season. How are you feeling? As well, every bit of healing that I had over the three weeks was gone, like in the first half. So he's got another two weeks. He's going to be taking electrical stimulation. He's going to be resting, ice, all this stuff. And then in the first time he drops back for a pass and has to brace up against the rusher, he's Oof. going to tear it all over again. Oof. So it, it's just they're beloved. It's a great group. 
Hmm. Well, I, I'm hoping for a good game. Just get, don't give me a blowout in either direction. Not, Just give me I'd a like nail biter. To win by seventy, and, and <laughs> uh, so I will. Uh, my, I will say the Eagles win twenty-three to sixteen. Um, Boy, that's a little scoring. Have, no, I'm sorry, twenty-seven twenty-one, twenty-seven twenty-one. And and I don't know if you guys saw. I'm not going to mention him by name now, but some guy said, "Love you. Think you're the best part of uh, the the whole week, uh, guest of the whole week." But I'm rooting for Kansas City. And I said, "You're entitled to your." He said this on Twitter. I said, "You're entitled to your opinion, but when the Eagles win, I will rip you by name on the air." I think I so did see two, that. Yeah. So if the Eagles win next week, I'm going to mention this guy's name and taunt him. Okay. All right. Well, we look forward to the taunting. If they lose, I will bow and say I will be properly contrite and, you know, hosannas and all that nonsense. Give, give his name. Give him proper credit. I'll give him mad props, as the kids say. Mad props. That's that's how you do it. Hey, yeah. uh, we, we were talking about this story earlier. And this, this, again, I need you to be as objective as possible because this man owns a team that you love to hate. Uh, and that would be uh, New York Mets owner Steve Cohen. And there was a story written about how, you know, other owners are upset with him because of the money he's spending and that it's making them look bad. And he's, his quote was, I've heard what everyone else has heard. They're not happy with me. I hear things from people who are maybe more neutral that they're talk, taking a lot of heat from their fans. And I kind of look at it like you're looking at the wrong person. They're putting it on me. Maybe they need to look more at themselves. I couldn't agree more. You've got it. You've got an owner that's worth two and a half billion dollars in the Oakland A's who's Payroll is going to be just a smidge over $40 million this year. A smidge for the entire team complaining about what this guy's doing. These guys, there's all these owners, not to the same extent, but have the financial wherewithal to be more competitive if they so choose. Yet they're going to look at him and go, well, you're making us look bad. Stop it. He's functioning within the rules that are set there. And, and look, the owners are against the salary cap. If there were a salary cap, Steve Cohen couldn't be going out and spending spending silly money. Yeah, and he's paying, and they're, sorry to cut you off, but they're making a lot of money off what he's paying in competitive balance tax, too. Right. Yeah, the Pirates and the Tigers are getting a lot of money off of his uh, taxes, as you said. I have no problem with Cohen. I hate the Mets. I hate their fans. I will always hate them. But if I, you know, fortunately, the the owner of the the, uh, Phillies, John Middleton, he's doing the same thing. He broke the bank for Bryce Harper. He broke the bank for Schwarber and for Castellanos. And he's broke the bank for Trey Turner and Zach Wheeler. He's paying, you know, people big money. JT Real Muto got a big contract. So I, I want my owner to overpay. I feel bad if, if I were in Pittsburgh or, you know, Baltimore, the rebuild is over. Yeah, okay, just enjoy the Yankees dust. <laughs> if I were in Detroit or if I were in some of these other places where the owner's Oakland, won't spend Tampa Bay won't spend the money I'd be furious and I look at Steve Cohen I say please buy my team too (laughs) yeah I just I I get the envy I I totally get it but it just it it, when you see owners that have that kind of again financial wherewithal but for whatever reason some are saying in Oakland that it's it's more about trying to force their way out they want a new stadium there's you know but the the payroll in Baltimore same thing just a little over it's in the 40s in the 40 yeah, million ridiculous and it's a multi-billionaire that owns these these situations so it just i've got no sympathy for him i think there no. should be a salary floor not a salary cap there should be a a minimum salary in in major league baseball they got one of those in the nba 
And when the, and, and what infuriated me was when the Sixers were doing the process nonsense and stinking at light speed, they would begin the season well below the salary floor, and then at the trade deadline, they'd make a trade for a uh, big, fat, expiring contract that would bring them over the salary floor for the year to kind of get around it. But the player was you know, there for two months, and then he was gone. So I agree, and, and, and if you buy a team, look, the, 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 whoever it is just bought the Phoenix Suns and the Phoenix Mercury for $4-point-whatever-billion, right? Mm-hmm. If you're scrounging around your, your couch cushions for the extra money to make that payment, you shouldn't do anything. You shouldn't buy it. You, you, you buy it for 4 and a half, it's going to appreciate ridiculously, and you get an arena out of it, and also – you gotta, you gotta win. You gotta make the payments. You gotta do the stuff it takes to win. And in the NBA, there's a salary cap, but there's also what's your facility look like? Do free agents want to come there? How do you treat your people? How do you pay your executives? How many assistant coaches and you know player development guys do you have? It costs money. You have to spend the money to, to win. And if you don't, you shouldn't be owning a team. Hey, Michael, getting back to uh, the the Super Bowl real quick. There was a a story earlier that uh, Sirianni had a little bit of a chip on his shoulder because um, Andy Reid didn't retain him or something like that. And I don't know, that didn't get, I don't think many people fired up because I think it seems like everybody pretty much universally loves Andy Reid. Oh, yeah, look, Sirianni's pulling a Michael Jordan here. Sirianni, the story goes, look, the team stunk, right? In comes Andy Reid. Andy Reid's job is to win. He doesn't know who Nick Sirianni is. Mm. And when he brought him in, he treated him well. Sirianni said it. He said he counseled me. <clears throat> he, he let me know that it was, wasn't easy to do. He, he told me that uh, you know, I, I was a good coach, uh, et cetera. So it's kind of like you want to manufacture some grudge against Andy Reid for firing you when he takes over as a coach of a team that was 2-14 and 14 that you were part of. Dude, you were part of 2-14. and 14. The stench was wafting off of you just as much as everybody else. Yeah. So I think it's it's manufactured. And by the way, you know what you know what the definition of Sicilian Alzheimer's is? <laughs> no. You forget everything but the grudges. So <laughs> you know I don't know if he's Sicilian or what, but but, uh, but I mean if he's got a grudge and it helps him, great. Whoops, Siri's listening to me. <laughs> yeah. He's trying to explain what it means to you. Yeah. Exactly. Hey, what, by the way, when does the book come out? What's the what's the target date? Oh, I don't know. I'm, I'm right. Look, I'm writing it two or three pages a night at a time. It takes a long time to do this. I'm only about halfway, halfway to two, uh, 40% through it. Then I got to rewrite it. Then I got to find a publisher. Have you seen the movie Animal House? Of course. Donald Sutherland sitting up in the in his uh, living room saying, you know, teaching is the only way of pay, is paying the bills until I uh, my novel uh, until I finish my novel. It must be wonderful. It's a piece of you know what. Yeah. So <laughs> that's what we all think. I just look. I've written a bunch of nonfiction books. I've written children's books. I, I used to love to write creatively, but when I became a journalist, all that stuff went away because you got to deal a hundred percent in fact. Yeah. So now I get to create this world, and as I said, I'm enjoying it. Perfect. All right. I think it's well, amazing. I'm I'm like the next Tolstoy. You can you can keep up with the exploits and the the <laughs> writings of uh, Michael Bradley here every Tuesday at five o'clock, or you can find him on Twitter at Daily Ombre. At Daily Ombre is where you find him there as well. And uh, he's ready to put somebody on blast if the Eagles win. So again, interact at your own risk on Twitter with him. Michael, great stuff. Good luck to your Eagles this weekend. We'll talk to you next week. Go Birds, suckers.
Birds. Cold birds. Uh, you know, the Kelsey Mummer thing is really, really interesting. Do you remember that speech the last time they won the Super Bowl? He was like screaming. Oh, yeah. Like the entire time. I don't remember what he said, but I remember the I outfit. I don't either, and... but I got to see that again. Yeah. I really hope. Also, I win the pool in the office if the Eagles win. That's right. That's right. Uh, coming up. It might be really expensive, but there's one external free agent that the Seahawks must sign. We'll talk about that next with Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports Station on 710. Wyman and Bob. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. On Seattle Sports Station. Usually, Dave, if you're wearing headphones out in public, that's a pretty strong indication you're not up for a conversation. Yeah, that's. Uh, I, I know that a lot of people, um, who is it, D. Rowe from uh, MLB Network, he was talking about getting on the plane and um, and just putting the headphones on. That pretty yeah. much says, I don't want to talk. At least that's what it should imply to most yeah. people. <laughs> that's it. That would be the message I would. I wouldn't tap that person on the shoulder and go, hey, 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 sorry, sorry. So where are you, where are you headed? that's that's really not the time for small talk i actually don't mind talking to people on the plane if you can believe that it just it passes the time yeah i guess it depends on your mood if you if you're just in that i'm tired i don't want to talk you put the headphones on then that's usually somebody's got earbuds in or something i'm not tapping them on the shoulder i'm not (laughs) trying to strike up a conversation with somebody like that well i'll tell you what the, the the charters that the seahawks have on delta and the the flight attendants that we've met there are just so awesome, and those are always a great flight. Mm. But the best flight I've been on commercially was when I met your childhood buddy that played on your baseball team. Remember, I, I texted you. Oh, Russ, yeah, 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 Russ. And uh, I had like my whole a whole row to myself in the back of the plane, and then uh, were you laying down? No, I didn't lay down, but um, the uh, the server was very accessible. So nice. I had plenty of adult <laughs> beverages before my uh, daughter picked me up at the uh, And a lot of room airport. to fall down and pass out, yeah. <laughs> should you oh. so choose. No, I wouldn't. Bob, I would never do that. <laughs> Somebody wake the guy in the back of the plane up. It's time to get off. Well, I was really enjoying myself. <laughs> We've landed. Can I get one to go? Let's go. No. All right. It's uh, the only way to fly. <laughs> yeah, that's nice if you can get the whole road to yourself. Uh, We were talking earlier about some of the external free agents that are available out there and looking at who would be, again, it's it's kind of the hypothetical. Let's just take price out of the equation. If the Seahawks could finagle a salary cap, their salary cap, and bring in any player that's available out there uh, that you wanted, who would it be? So we're looking at the list, and I think it's obvious based on their needs. Their their pressing needs are the front seven, That, that defensive line, linebackers are thin so to me you're looking at any of those positions and i feel like we both this is a guy you've talked about this is a guy kj wright has talked about a lot of people have talked about deron Payne, out of washington plays for the commanders 26 years old i believe uh and he's as you called him a homewrecker (laughs) which (laughs) he's he's a wrecking machine out there and he's a guy that i'm sure will be expensive i'm sure it'll It'll cost a pretty penny, but again, we're playing the hypothetical. If you could just remove mm-hmm. that that fear or that that concern, who would you go for? That seems to be the most popular pick. And here's KJ Wright speaking on him. I, I love Payne. Big, that's a big guy from the Commanders, mm-hmm. a guy that can make a difference up front. And you're going to have to spend some money. You got to spend some money. I do believe that the Seahawks are what top five, top ten when it comes to salary cap, and so you do have to make investments if you want to, you know, climb that ladder and be. A, amongst the uh, the big boys in the NFC and in the AFC. And so um, I, I like him. Uh, Fletcher, 
you know, I went, obviously I went to school with Fletcher. I love Fletcher. No, don't bring Fletcher in. Um, Fletcher's not going to leave Philadelphia anyway. <laughs> like I, he's very kind when he's talking about his friends. Like, I'm not trying to take money out of their account, their pocket, or whatever he said. But, no, you can't pay him. <laughs> but he's very – those are his friends. I, I appreciate the honesty. Well, but, he was mentioned, uh, I think, because of his age. I yeah. guess so, yeah. yeah the Fletcher, Fletcher Cox. Fletcher Cox, yeah. And he's talked about that with – like Gino, he's he's praised him, praised him, praised him. Would you pay him thirty million? We're not even going to entertain that. Yeah. You know, so he's, I, I appreciate his honesty. Well, and I think that during the playoffs, that's when it became. Well, it was really actually clear during the season when the run game wasn't as you know advertised. We we didn't didn't get it done. And but you look at the Commanders, and you know I I think Deron Payne is really good. I'm also in on him. Um, but I would say, you know, he also is surrounded by a bunch of other really good pass rushers. Right. Uh, he had 11 and a half sacks, but Montez Sweat had eight. Jonathan Allen had seven and a half. But, yeah, I, I like him. I, I would, did that without Chase Young. Yeah, no Chase Young. I would I would really appreciate them, you know, signing a guy like that. You know, he's, he's really, really good and just uh, one of those inside guys that they're rare. I mean, if you can get a guy to get double-digit sacks from down inside, that's that's special. Who's your number two? Let's pretend he's not available. He stays in Washington. He signs somewhere else. So now you've got to look elsewhere. Who's For your another war daddy? Just your, your or just your anybody. wish list. Just I want this guy in a Seahawks uniform, and we're not worried about the cost at this particular moment. Yeah. You know, I, I put Zach Allen in there, who's a defensive end. I think he's really underrated that played for uh, for Phoenix. Phoenix for the uh, Arizona Cardinals, but I'll tell you what. Here, here's a here's a new one. This kid with the Chargers, Drew Tranquil, who is a second level linebacker. Now all of a sudden, you start to think, okay, yeah, they need D tackles, but they need linebackers too. Yeah, they do. Because if Cody Barton, you know, we don't we don't really know what's going on with him. I don't think we really figured anything about Cody Barton out last year. You got a taste of the best and the worst. Yeah, he he was he kind of went the way of the defense, and then I'm I'm a little concerned about Jordan Brooks. I mean, you know, it, it, these ACLs, these knee things, they don't always work out. They don't always work out. So that and now look, that's something that we've said. Look what happened to um, to Quandre Diggs at the end of the year last yeah. year. I mean, that there was no even we didn't even speak about that. I mean, his ankle was entirely going the wrong. His foot was going the wrong way. It was broken. All that saw him leaving the field in tears. Never missed a beat. So hopefully that's the case with Jordan Brooks. But they do need some second level linebackers. This Drew Tranquil kid who played for the Chargers. Uh, I think he's twenty six, twenty seven. Just very good. I remember going into the Charger game, looking at this guy, going, "Oh, because I hadn't really, haven't really followed him that much." But if you look at his his stats, he's good in the pass game, and uh, he he gets. I think he got five sacks this year, and you know he broke up some passes. So I think that might be a need. Yeah, it's. Uh, and, and by the way, just back to Deron Payne for a moment. We talked about the projection earlier in the show. Spotrac does for some of these free agents. Uh, the projection for him, they've got him at nineteen point four million per season on a five-year deal. Wow, that's, yeah, that's spend actually a hundred million on a defensive tackle. Yeah, Ooh. and you know that's always you know, a little little deceptive when you see that number because it's not fully guaranteed typically and there's a you know as the professor like to talk about the injury guarantees and what they're actually going to be paid is you know who knows maybe it's maybe he gets 55 million or 50 guarantee who knows but i don't know that's actually a little bit less than i thought when they were talking about how expensive he would be so not not much it's it's kind of in the ballpark but i thought he'd maybe be like a 22 23 a year kind of guy but if yeah 19.4 if that's the number 
Yeah. Seahawks got that. They got that money laying around. They can do it. <laughs> yeah, well, luckily, if uh, if you're only you know paying Gino a certain amount, but you know, I just tried to go. Also, I mean, look, we talk about D tackle and I, Zach Allen, really good player, um, five or six sacks. He, he's a really tough edge player. He was but fun on uh, Hard Knocks. He was. Yeah, he was very very funny. And if you look at his picture, he's like kind of clowning, like looking like a psycho. <laughs> Who's our guy? Is it Tanev? Is it Brandon, yes, Tanev, Brandon Tanev, Tanev that has the uh-huh. uh, for the. He looks Cracking. very surprised. Yeah, he looks like <laughs> his team he looks photo. crazy. Looks a little crazy. But you know, another guy I looked at besides the second level uh, linebacker and in, in, uh, Drew Tranquil, Mike Jacecki. And I, I told you guys earlier, it's it's because I, I really don't like him. I hate him. I hate him. He's one of those guys that like he he acts like a jerk on the field. But if he's your jerk, yeah. you love him. Yeah, you love him. So uh, he's twenty seven year old guy came out of Penn State. He's played for uh, the Dolphins for the last five years and. He is, you know, he's put up good numbers as a tight end. Um, you know, 780 yards, 703 yards, 570 the, the three of the last four years, you know, scores a fair amount of touchdowns. But, you know, I started thinking about that because I just think he's very scrappy. Yeah, right. I think he's he's a he's a decent blocker, but now all of a sudden tight end you start looking at because Will Disley with his injury it was very mysterious. I think you know obviously we saw that the the number three receiver was a tight end, and I think that's a good way to be. And I think that the lots of teams with good healthy passing games have a tight end that's really involved. And now all of a sudden you know we I mean we're expecting Noah Fant to do the same thing. He gets lots of production, lots of targets. He was the number three receiver, but you know we hope that Colby Parkinson is is coming along. But this might be a guy that uh, instead of going and getting your number three you know receiver, maybe you go with uh, with Goodwin with that. But you get a really good tight end who can yeah. who can really supplement uh, that group. All right, coming up, did one team in the Mariners division get better or worse this offseason? We'll talk about that next with Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports Station on 710. Wyman and Bob. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. On Seattle Sports Station. Cracking her back to competent, Dave. Getting their tails whipped right now for nothing. <laughs> By the Islanders, who Thumb tells me is not very good. They're not good. What else? Uh, you said something about coming out the All Star break and the the malaise. The the General sort of I don't know, all the road malaise. teams look sluggish. The Lightning lost uh, seven to one last night on the road. So and now the Kraken. Did they the lose to a good team though? Yeah, the Panthers are good. So okay, well, they're pretty good. Is it a good team or a competent team? The Panthers, they're good. All right. the, the Islanders, none of the above. It's funny. The 509 says, trying to get into supporting the local hockey team. And the first game I watch, they're down four to nothing. <laughs> this is, this so is a rough made, day to start. They made their commitment today. Yeah, I guess All so. Right. <laughs> that's, that's tough. And then quickly, before we get to the Mariners, Dave, the 360 is asking you, what's a second level linebacker? Is that like an edge, uh, a DB, LB hybrid, or is some called a hybrid? Uh, yeah. How would you describe a, a in layman's terms, how would you describe Real a second-level linebacker? You just, they're the guys that are about three or four yards off the ball in the middle of the, in the, middle of the box, basically. So, yeah, because linebackers, some of the guys that are edge rushers, like Micah Parsons, I mean, he's called a linebacker. But, Shannon Nuosu. Yeah, Nuosu, they're up on the line of scrimmage. You typically don't see them back, you know, lined up back off the line of scrimmage, you know. Three, four yards behind uh, the guard, or I'm sorry, the uh, your defensive tackles. Gotcha. There you go. 
There we go. Second level linebacker. I didn't mean to make it sound fancy. Sorry about that. Yeah, wait till he gets into the two deep zone and middle talk, middle field closed. Talking about cover one, cover two. We'll get into who's guarding who. You know that kind of stuff. Um, I remember <laughs> the professor used to do that where he'd be like, "Yeah, they're going to run uh, cover one, cover two, cover three. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, "Yep, that's all of them, John. Uh, <laughs> there's there's four. Uh, I feel like the line out of Mr. Mom." You're going to go with 220? Yeah, 220, 221, whatever it takes. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> it just feels feels eerily reminiscent of yeah. that. All right, so we've, we've, uh, we're doing a little preview, or actually our Mariners Insider doing a little preview, I should say, of the AL West on seattlesports.com. Shannon Dreher writing a piece today. Do the Mariners need to keep a close eye on the Angels in the AL West is the question. This is a team that finished 73-89 and 89 last year. By the way, that was good for third. In the division, that tells you about how stinky the A's and Rangers were. Uh, but yeah, seventy three and eighty nine, they were third. Now they, it, she goes through the additions and subtractions of the team, uh, who they've added, and then she puts the um, the Zips projection uh, for each team. So for for the Angels, who again were a seventy three win team last year, the quote from Zips is likely to considerably improve on their twenty twenty two record and have a great shot to get above 500 for the first time in quite a while. Which, again, is just amazing when you say they could arguably have the two best players in baseball on their team. It's it's a debate. Mike Trout and Shohei Otani, who's who's actually like three players because he's a frontline pitcher and a star offensive producer yeah. as well. So you're, you're kind of getting two for one with him, and then you throw in Mike Trout. And, you know, and they've spent some money, obviously, on Rendon. We'll see if he adds anything to it other than trying to pick fights with the Mariners this year. But it's, it's interesting to see that, you know, these teams are getting better, and the Rangers are not afraid to spend money. They've done it. They did it last, last offseason. They've done it this offseason to help bolster their pitching rotation, and she'll do previews of them as well. But – that's a team that's expected to improve, whereas you look at, she's got a little blurb here about the Mariners in, in the Zips projection, um, talking about who they lost, who they added, but ultimately their projection says the Mariners look like an 85-90 to 90 win team with a tighter range of outcomes than most clubs. That's fun and makes the M's a serious contender. So win-wise, in terms of projections, they're looking at about what they were last year. They were a 90-win team the last two seasons. They say they're 85-90. to 90. None of this is is gospel. None of this is this is just opinions based on what's gone on. We'll see. We'll ultimately see. But I would, I would just feel better as a Mariner fan to see more projections about hey, based on what they've done in this offseason, if they're healthy, this should be a ninety five win team. This should be a ninety six win. I, I'd love to hear some of that. How would you easily describe the Zips projections? What would be the the best? Most succinct way. <laughs> it's it's from fan. It's graphs. a fan graph thing. Yes. Right. So yeah. it just it, lots and lots and lots of factors, lots of numbers, and, yeah. and things put into a big hopper, and they spin it like a big bingo ball. <laughs> and uh, you know, yeah. I mean, there's a lot that goes into their their calculations, but it's on fan graphs. You can you can find it there, and they, you know, you you pick and choose what you want to believe, what you want to take literally, yeah. you know, take to heart and others. You can, I it, read three or four paragraphs and was like, okay, uh, it's your eyes a, started uh, rolling back. Very technical, <laughs> but no, it's a, it was a good article. Uh, certainly by Shannon did it, did a great job. The angels. I mean, it's just, it's, it's kind of a, it's kind of a mess. I mean, they, they, as you said, they've spent so much money there yeah. and just not getting, not getting the wins. But um, anyway, yeah, I don't, you know, you look at, the Astros, like you said, I mean, we'll get to Texas and Oakland, but I mean, for the most part, 
that's really all you have to worry about. And the thing that's so discouraging about that is that you go and look at, I think, was it six or seven top 10 lists that Houston Astros made, maybe? And they didn't even have Pena on there. No, they did. He just oh, he forgot did. to mention He them. just yeah. forgot. So okay, was, that's right. It was Pena. Was, it was Altuve. It was... Yeah, it was, yeah, it was, it's a whole bunch. It's a yeah. whole bunch of cheaters. So it's kind of it's kind of discouraging. But you know, the Angels, I feel like they they should beat up on them. And then, you know, I mean, I'm not that that's easy. But you know, if you look at the rest of the division, I know that I was listening to uh, I'm trying to remember who we were talking to. But you know, he was saying he didn't think that the the Rangers did it a whole ton. Like they weren't that big of a threat. I think it was on the morning show. But. Um, yeah, you look at the amount of money and just see Mike Trout and Shohei Otani sitting there together and you think, wow, those two guys, that's a lot of money tied up in those two players. Yeah, it's well, they, and they've got three players making 30 plus million dollars, you know, with with Rendon and with with uh, with Rendon, Mike I Trout. Can't, I yeah. can't believe Rendon. And remember during the fight, he was. He had he had he was injured all yeah almost all last year or, yeah I, don't, I mean he had a he had a cast on his wrist that was his that biggest fight. contribution yeah that fight with Jesse Winker he went and clubbed Jesse with his uh, his <laughs> cast on his hand yeah. so it's it's interesting four two five texting in who cares what projections are let's just play the games well yeah they're gonna play the games this is just conversation just getting a sense of what. What people, what websites, what analysts and the experts think of what teams have done. How much better are they? How much worse are they? Yeah, you're right. All that matters is what happens on the field, but it's kind of fun to look and see. <laughs> why in the world would somebody text in and, and complain that, why are you guys talking about this? Let's just play the game. Okay, let's, you want to make them happy, Bob? What? How do I make them happy? Just not talk. Like this. Okay, we can't do that. So there's going to be an you're alarm that goes off. And, yeah. There's some things I'd have to do in that case. You're making Lefko nervous sure, back there. That the silence. Uh, we can fast forward. What are you guys talking about? It for? Let's just play the damn game. Well, okay. if there were games to be played, yeah, yeah, there are no games. Yeah, we're getting oh, you ready man. for the games to be played. Four, two, five. Let's just take it easy. Take it easy. This sports are fun. This is where. But what we've learned about the text for a lot of people, not all, but a lot. This is where they come to cry. This is where they come to complain and unburden themselves of all the things in their life that are bothering them, and they'll funnel it into this statement about you or me or thumb or and they're mad. And you see a lot of that. That's fine. Yeah. We're, we're here for you. We're, yeah. We've got thick skin. By the way, I, and two, on Fridays. 206, I really appreciate this because I was saying something about Clayton and uh, and somebody, uh, the 206, said, ah, I miss John Clayton and all his good info. And he really did have good info. But I was kind of, I was making fun of him because he would be like, yeah, they run uh, cover one, cover two, cover three, <laughs> yeah. cover four. I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's all of them, John. You got them, man. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I how many times, you know, we... We miss that guy. Oh yeah, talk about him a lot. So he's he's certainly not forgotten. But I appreciate the two oh six. Yeah, we we miss him too. There's no doubt about that. All right, coming up, we'll catch up with Mark Schlereth to hear about Sean Payton's welcome to Denver and much much more. That's coming your way with Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports Station on seven ten.